Some cause must have created all this. But what caused that cause? Knock, knock, guess who is knocking at your door? That's right, you know it's the morning for sure. Might be a geoff it could be. Maybe it's been around me. No, you love this week in moments, original morning news. If you love Lindsay Sterling, Bryce Harper in Utah, and cello salad foods, oh, you're gonna love this show. Thank you once again, everybody, for joining us on another week edition of This Week in Mormons, the premier Latter-day Saint-focused news and entertainment podcast. I join you from Washington, D.C. at our hot studio from a basement on the hill. I'm Jeff, and I'm joined once again, of course, by everyone's favorite expat, Josie Gleave. This is a great title. I didn't know that I had that. I appreciate that. I doubt it's true. I'm pretty sure you're literally everyone's favorite expat. Yeah, maybe because I'm the only one they know. There's that. That's fine. Embrace it. (laughs) No, I'm not even that well known. I can't even claim that much. Um, But I am, as far as claiming locations, I am still in Singapore. And I currently do not have the coronavirus. So there's something. Um, Is it hit down there at all? (laughs) Is it even a thing that far south? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we've just hit um, what's called Dorscon Orange, which is not a great little acronym but it's something about like the disease outbreak response condition um which means that we've had like severe or that the disease itself is severe and spreads easily from person to person but it's controlled or contained anyways but it still freaked out a bunch of people over the weekend and we had to run on the grocery stores and all sorts of fun stuff like that how fun. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds delightful. Yeah. There was suddenly like a, everyone needed to buy toilet paper and you couldn't find toilet uh-huh. paper anywhere. And I was like, wow, whole thing, huh? all the things to go for. I'm like, everybody here has bidets, but apparently we still need toilet paper, which is ah, fair. Yeah. Anyways. So it has been an interesting, it's been an interesting week. I imagine. So, I mean, you're, you're not on lockdown, though, obviously. I mean, you're no, free to... No, so what kind of happens and why I think everyone got so panicked is because yellow is sort of go about your daily life. Orange is you still go about your daily life. Um, but um, they, like, large gatherings or schools or workplaces uh-huh. need to be temperature testing, that sort of a thing. And everyone is buying lots of hand sanitizer and you can't buy masks anywhere, but the government will issue like four per family, that sort of a thing, um, just because medical supplies have gotten quite scarce. So um, you can still obviously go to work, but I know of a lot of workplaces and schools are sending their kids or employees home with iPads or laptops each day in like preparation for if they get notice over the evening that um, school is canceled or something like that, which really only is going to happen if we get to the red level, which um, would not be good because it mostly just means that there have been multiple deaths. That's what kind of bumps you up to that point. But there haven't been any deaths in Singapore. So I think more than anything, they're being very cautious. 
So, which actually, here, I can tie this into some Mormon news for you really quick that we got yeah. a um, yeah, yeah. a uh, message from our area presidency that was, you know, they needed to address the issue because it was quite concerning for a lot of people. So if there are any visitors who have been in China for the past three weeks, they're not actually allowed to attend any of the church meetings. And um, and uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, that they're trying to, you know, they, they haven't been able to order any hand sanitizer or um, temperature, the, the non-invasive little temperature testers that you can get everything's on back uh -huh. order um but that's what they're trying to do so that you can maintain continuing to go to church so church isn't canceled um but the also the statement kind of said you know we fully understand if some members feel like it's better to stay at home and worship from home until this kind of gets cleared out so it's more like it's optional so um oh and we're not supposed to shake hands anymore which i'm thrilled about because i didn't really like doing that anyway so um <laughs> it's great i think but, i mentioned it before we did, we did something kind of when i was living over in scotland i think it was just like a big influenza outbreak something happened around 2008 mm -hmm. 2009 it wasn't mad cow but it was bad enough that yeah the, so the church started stocking hand sanitizer pumps in all the rooms around the church and our bishop just said, guys, don't shake hands anymore. Like, it's okay. Uh, and then instead, everyone started doing elbow bumps to say hi. Oh, no. Um, and then the bishop had to say, guys, stop doing that because that seems very elbow cultish. Elbow bumps? Because we couldn't shake hands. Just so we like, just kind of nod like, your head. We just kind of bump elbows. No, like, say What's hi. Up? Th Wave. They're Scottish people, you know, who knows? They're all, they're all, they're all hopped up this on it. This sounds like something you know. started. I doubt it was the Scots. I did, <laughs> I, I did not start this. Absolutely not. I was a stranger uh -huh. in a strange land respecting their local customs. Sure. But I thought, it, I thought it was funny when the bishop had to then say again, like, guys, now this is just weird. Please don't do this. That is weird. That's just odd. But it was funny being in church for so long when you saw these hand sanitizer pumps were everywhere, like in, like where there'd normally be a floral arrangement on one of the clerk desks, yeah. you know, like in the front yeah. of the chapel. There's just Basically like a, what we're hand sanitizer pumps sitting over. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing okay. And the church has been, uh, the church has been involved as well. Yeah, in they the sent, I, uh, President Nelson, yeah, he posted on his Instagram that he had had a chat with his friends in China and asked what was needed and then sent over like two airplanes full of supplies. So like protective equipment. So like the masks, um, goggles, and like coveralls, that sort of thing, other medical equipment that is really needed because it's just like out of stock everywhere, which is... Um, kind of crazy to fathom. That's an so. inter interesting approach. Does that seem weirdly almost like humble bragging? It's not just saying oh, what, everyone like, just so you know. We've been the stocking this stuff. Yeah, Here you not, go. Well, not just that. I mean, it's not like they just announced the church because we work with China. We're going to send them this stuff. Instead, President Nelson's like, so I talked to my friends. My buddies. Right? So I, yeah. I called up my buddies and I'm going to do everyone a solid. And I'm gonna send stuff. It sounds very vibey, like he's in with the Communist Party, like he knew who to call. So yeah, I definitely. It crossed well, he did because he operated on like Chinese. Uh, crossed my mind. I forgot, I forgot what the actual story was. It was um. Look, I'm he sure he's trying. On oh, I, someone. Oh, I don't know. One of the leader's dads. I mean, he's got it. He legitimately has a history with some Look, of these people. Look, I'm sure so he's not, trying to be buddy right. buddy in the hopes of opening up that as a mission field. So, I mean, I can't hold it against him, I guess. But yeah, it did kind of have some of those vibes of like, I called my guy, and this is what they said they need. 
Um, but then you also have the missionaries in Hong Kong who are getting transferred out of that area and the Macau area as well and being temporarily reassigned to, um, boy, I, I, it hasn't announced where they're going to be going, but just to some other mission until they return home or if they were close to already finishing out their mission, they just are being sent home early. Um, because Hong Kong is definitely um, in more of a worse sort of situation or just yeah. taking more extreme precautions where, you know, um, people aren't leaving their houses as much as um, Singapore. So, yeah. But there's been, you know, loads of things that have been canceled. Like we were supposed to have an Asia Women's Conference that uh, was supposed to be in right. Taipei. Uh, that you, got canceled. Yeah. Um, and And then just the general joy of the mild freakouts here in Singapore. So that's just a constant state of, is this going to get worse? How much worse is it going Man, to get? We shall wait and see. One thing they updated on some of the missionaries in Hong Kong, though, I mean, they said uh, they learned that some of the missionaries leaving the Hong Kong mission uh, will, some what might be quarantined, but some will not be quarantined, which is nice. But they said that like, there's 17 missionaries who are uh, Filipinos hmm. That will be isolated and separated from contact with other missionaries for 14 days. Yeah. At the missionary training center in Manila before departing for their assignments or going home. So, you know, they're doing all the right things, but uh, that's a drag. Yeah, but there's This thing's got to settle down. Yeah. I mean, it honestly, it might uh, not for a while. <laughs> so, I don't know. Pretty crazy. It's a I'm hunch. I'm super glad my... I'm just super glad my mom is back. I mean, my mom was oh, living in China for a couple of yeah. years and she came back last summer and she was done. But man, if she was still, I, she's had some updates. I mean, mm-hmm. but man, she would be, I think my poor, I think they've been um, like basically unofficially quarantined in their apartments, which yeah. is not some lavish fun place to be when you're just a random expat living in China. You're just stuck in your non-air conditioned intermittent electricity apartment, you know? Yeah, for- can't go out and buy groceries and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like things yeah, are pretty convenient in Singapore. The most, uh, you know, while people were still like rushing to the grocery stores and there were massive lines, the main thing that also people were complaining about was that, you know, their normal two hour Amazon delivery wasn't available for like five <laughs> days or something, you know? So it's like, we're really struggling over here. This um, is egregious. <laughs> how dare you take longer? So um, there were some complaints, but we're uh, we're getting by. Um, well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna pivot to one of my favorite subject areas, everybody, and we're gonna try to do this objectively and responsibly. Ooh. But uh, there's been some political news involving Latter Day Saints that we do have to cover this week. Uh, a couple things. First of all, uh, it came out uh, earlier last week that for the first time since being elected in 2016, and again, this is. Sort of Latter-day Saint, but a majority of Utah voters approve of Donald Trump's job performance. Okay, so 52% of likely voters approve. That's a break of 35 strongly approve, 17 somewhat approve. Uh, If you break all the numbers out, 38% strongly disapprove, which is the highest of any of the numbers. And of course, they didn't ask people if they were Latter-day Saints or not, but it's Utah, so we're just going to be irresponsible and just group it, you know, one and the same in this case, right? We're just going to conflate the two. That's because because the non-Latter-day Saint Mormons don't like Trump. We all know that. They live in Salt Lake and Park City. They're friggin' socialist wackos. Come on, people. So it's a bit um, harsh. It's a bit it's a big deal. Uh now anywhere, of course, having a, a positive approval rating is a good thing, but what we have to remember, of course, is Utah is overwhelmingly Republican, and Republicans typically carry the state by significant margins. Trump did not do that. 
And uh, Republicans typically have very high approval ratings, which Trump uh, has not. So he's finally crossed this one very important threshold, but that still does not mean he's out of the woods uh, because there is one individual with an even lower approval rating than Donald Trump in Utah, believe it or not. And that is Senator and Savior riding a white horse to victory, Senator Mitt Romney. Everybody. I considered a drum roll, but then I refrained. I thought I must, <laughs> must refrain. Uh, I hate the uh, white horse thing so much. It has been, it's funny because it shows up, even though the church is, even we know it's not substantiated anyway, it's apocryphal. But even the church has come out in more recent history and just said, guys, this is not a part of our doctrine. But that does not stop many outlets from just saying, Mormons believe the Constitution will hang by a thread. Is Mitt Romney fulfilling a Mormon prophecy? And we just say... I mean, I didn't even know about this until the first time that Mitt Romney was sort of claimed to be the whole savior prophecy thing. Like, I learned about that from the LA Times, and I was kind of surprised, well, surprised, Pretty shocked. And I was like, what is this thing? Um, so, but, so for some con, uh, so for some context, in case you do. somehow missed this, in the states, this was huge news and impossible to miss. But we have an international base. So Mitt Romney, the former leader of the Republican Party, ran against uh, Barack Obama in 2012. Right, the Republican nominee for president. Um, by most measures, a moderate Republican with some conservative values, but definitely not a hardcore conservative. Uh, and he has perennially been a critic of the Trump administration. This has put him in somewhat of a difficult place given what happened with impeachment last week because Mitt Romney was the only Republican to dissent to not go with his party and actually voted to convict Donald Trump and remove him from office. So we knew that that was never going to happen. You know, impeachment is a lot of political theater and it takes two thirds of the Senate to do that. So that that involves legitimate consensus. You're not squeaking by with a 51 to 49 vote or anything to convict somebody and take him out of office because it's a big deal. You're talking about removing the president of the United States from his or her office and and potentially saying you cannot do this ever again, right? It's a big deal. So um, this reverberated throughout the Latter-day Saint sphere. Of course it did, right? One of our own, Mr. Mitt who many, of course, have labeled and said, you've always had it in for Trump. This is just, you just always have it in for him. That's why you voted against this. You just, you're mad at Trump. You're mad you didn't get elected in the first place. You've got an ax to grind. But- um, Look in the mirror, I, people. Look in the well, mirror, that, you Facebook commenters. That's all. But I, I mean, watching Mitt Romney's speech, which was- fascinating to me to watch um i don't know if he's caught it or not josie if you've seen his actual senate floor speech before his vote or not when he announced he would vote to convict did mm-hmm. you watch this at all oh you're yeah. gonna quiz me now on the air thank you um yeah, no sure. i did not i read the reports well, no, I mean, he after got, he, got, he he taught he you know he sort of set the stage and and said you know he's examined the issues and he's, he examines the oath he took and how and he takes very seriously his faith and he choked up well, like when he mentioned his faith and paused for a moment and just kind of looked down at the pulpit or the lectern and uh, gave himself some time to collect himself. And you see how much this drove him. He was very clear, though. So a lot of people, of course, others have come out since then and said, oh, Romney's saying that God told him to convict Trump. And Romney went out of oh, his way man. in an interview with none other than McKay Coppins, who clearly has a good relationship with Mitt Romney. He's covered Romney for so long. Yeah, I know. That's why it's funny. That- 
This article's a great read. Like Romney gave McKay an interview before the vote. You know, they have an embargo and such, but told him like what he was going to do and explained his rationale behind everything. Okay. Um, but Romney said, God did not tell me to vote this way or anything like that. But um, but obviously as I'm examining my faith and the evidence and the other things that are more in the political sphere, which we don't have to get into on this show. But it is been it has been fascinating um, watching Mr. Mitt Romney just, just stand right up. You know, I think I've, in the past been critical of Romney mostly because for talking a big game but then rarely voting or doing anything to back it up uh being a bit of a political chameleon but the man just you love him now don't deny it i don't love him now what i mean i feel like i can be i've i um it's it's interesting to watch because i think his explanations for how he is voting and rationalizing what he's doing are pretty sound even if you don't agree with yeah. it or like the outcome yeah i, I think he, i feel like oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say yeah i think objectively you kind of see where he's coming from and the explanations he is making for it and it's been interesting of course and he just says like i know there's gonna be big like reaper there's gonna be consequences sure. for this sure i know there's gonna be consequences for this but he doesn't care he's just doing it he's mitt romney doesn't care man he's mitt romney. Does what he wants drinks chocolate milk on the senate floor <laughs> look how he's let off <laughs> two weeks in a row he's on twim going rogue in the senate chamber and now he's like mike Trump. really going rogue um yeah i think there's at least at the very least there's a sense of respect there for it you know doing what you feel was the right choice so even though this could be a very great youth lesson, I feel like, about how you're supposed to stick to what you know to be true, even though none of your friends want you to do it. Maybe just because I've gotten called to young women's and I've had to have that lesson before just recently. But there you go. Well done, Romney, I suppose. We're giving it a go. Yeah, um, it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be interesting to see how this pans out. I mean, I think I was worried he was just gonna get the savior, destroyed. but yeah. No. But I wonder <laughs> how quite. his electorate would be um but apparently he's uh, there's a nice little article here. NBC News uh, has a piece saying that, you know, he actually has found some respect back home, that plenty of Utahns are like, all right, man, you do you. You reckon? You're the this is a, I this is an interview. All right. Um these are they've talked to various people. See, I kind of I'll, I'll be curious to see what polling actually says. Yeah, see, I debate. thought that maybe the whole Utah loves Trump story was coming as a result of um disliking Romney and the decision that he had made. But actually, now that I think about it, they probably took that polling a little bit earlier before impeachment. I'm not too sure on that one or before the the vote. Um, but I initially took those as to be directly related. Who knows? Yeah, there's a bit. So it's been a it's been a crazy, a dramatic week. Fun I mean, little political week over there. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not. Mormons I mean, it's, it's to the like rescue. A, it, and we could say it's mostly just a Mormon in the news, but the fact he did invoke his faith, which seems to be a that and the fact that he said, I took an oath before God to be an impartial juror. And he's trying to say, like, I'm taking that seriously and I'm not going to I'm not just going to, like, ignore that because of political convenience or what have you. So an interesting week. And I don't yeah. think he's saving the Constitution necessarily or anything like that. But uh, it'll be curious to see what shakes out. I can't I want to see if the. Administration starts just going after Mormons. They just say, forget it. We're just going to trash on Mormons. Perhaps after they visit Utah in the in the whole election cycle, they might They don't do usually that. visit Utah, though, because it's a given it votes for a Republican. It's not worth the time. They don't even stop by and say hi? 
have a little it's barbecue. It's not really super super necessary. I mean, especially in this case, if it were an open if it were open season, if there were no incumbent, maybe because they'd be trying to woo Utahns. But since it's going to vote, the state's going to vote for a Republican. Utahns, the state's going to vote for Donald Trump. You should be outraged. You know, that's just that's what happens when you don't live in a swing state, though. They just don't care because it's Fair a enough. foregone conclusion. Oh. Just like in the general, do you really think they're going to be campaigning much in California? The, just means the primary- Utah's just not worth it. That's all. End no, of story. No, it, if they're out west, instead, they're going to be in Colorado, Arizona, and Nevada, all of which are kind of up for grabs this time around. But Utah is not really up for grabs. I don't think. Who knows? Um, Sorry well, for all the politics, folks. I, I'm go. trying to do a something else that's up for grabs kind of segue, and I'm uh, uh, currently grabbing at straws. Help me out here, Jeff. What are we segueing to next? Well, what happened, folks, is you know the church doesn't like to be Mormony or anything like, or LDS, ah! so we... So the church Our Twitter handle. T- Twitter handle. Um, okay. I mean, it used to be at LDS or at LDS Church, right? It this was, one's pretty bad, I reckon. It's that's why I'm at reckon as well. CH H- underscore, underscore Jesus Christ, which. At ch- Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, just, it makes it so much worse. Um, now the reason behind this, of course, I have to imagine. Let's see what happens if we. No, of uh, course, it's you know to Jesus further Christ. emphasize Jesus Christ and not the Church of or like the Latter Day Saints bit. But but here's so what's I get funny. That. If, and I get maybe they want to be short, and that's part of it. Because if you look for at Church of Jesus Christ, there's no account for that. Like that, it's not like somebody else owns that. We could take that one, presumably. How does Church nobody own that? I just looked for it, and it just says this account does not exist. But isn't there like another Church of Jesus Christ? Stop. There's, there's the Church. No, there's of Jesus the Christ. Church of the same. The uh, same reason why we don't have the Church of Jesus Christ dot org because that's the Bicaternite uh, offshoot. Man, I think but, we missed our option there. We should have just gone for that. That's what I'm saying. Because then chi chi chi. Yeah, this one's pretty bad. Not a fan. Our continuing saga and poor media choices. It's very strange. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that we're past the point where we can even argue about the Mormon thing anymore, but I'm like, I don't. That's a, <laughs> I don't care. Which <laughs> she underscore. The all the other ones. All the other ones make sense. I mean, what? Let's see. Is there no church of? What if we do church? Jesus. Uh, church Jesus Christ does not exist. I'm curious if, okay. I don't uh, know. I don't know who decided that just to abbreviate, like that the appropriate abbreviation of church is just, ch- I don't I don't know who thought that that was suitable. Yeah. And of course, Twitter slash LDS church actually still shows up as an official channel. Uh, I thought they'd have a firm redirect, but maybe they just port- got everything ported over and now they'll just ignore this one. That's my guess. And it isn't uh, there. Th- yeah, who it's knows? Still there. If you, if you go to add LDS Church, it's there. But then they're just saying, "Hey, follow at ch." That's the one. So bad. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. There's a lot of choices they could have made there, and I disagree with that one. But hey, that's me. We'll keep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. But Thank you. Yep. So in other flashbacky kind of news, um, the church's wealth is doing the loop again um and how we apparently kept our 100 billion quiet because we didn't want tithing donations to drop mm. yeah i think 
I think we kind of created an article out of essentially one other person lending a quote to the situation, although admittedly, it's not a great quote. Oh, it's like the it's it's the guy who's the head of Ensign Peak Advisors, like the guy who manages the port the investment holdings. Said, "Yep, they they you know they didn't want people to feel like they shouldn't contribute anymore because we have too much money." But it also started out. He said something as well. Um, man, Salt Lake Trib has just blocked me out, so now I can't get the quote exactly. But well, I remember. I, try, I forgot internationally. <laughs> this the trip sucks. That's hates me. No, but it basically he said that you know, tithing is more of a sign of commitment to the church. But then I feel like it's contradicting yourself to then say, so we didn't want this to dissuade people from contributing. And I'm like, so is it a commitment thing? Or are you concerned about people seeing how much money you have and not donating? Like, you can't well, well, maybe say it's just, both, sir. Well I, well, I get where they're coming from. I, mean, I think they're just Mm-mm. talking about the optics. Yeah, you're right. He said, he said the quote is, it's more of a sense of commitment than it is the church needing the money. I mean, that might be the reality of things, but you understand the impression it gives off, though. People could still see it and say, well, commitment be darned. Like, why? I think I agree it's the mentality we should have because of the 10% we view as the Lord's money. It's not ours to decide what to do with in the first place. So it's just about whether we have the faith to do it and who cares how large the stockpile is that we're adding to. Yeah. It's just a matter. And maybe we people. Could have, Maybe people a in thousand general, billion dollars. A th- oh, great. Also <laughs> known as a trillion dollars. Yes, I was going to say, excellent. Um, I think maybe people have more of an issue with the fact or the idea of things being kept secret. Um, but eh, yeah. I think that was maybe used a little bit generously or trying to make something, you know, again, trying to build an entire article around essentially just one other extra dude's quotation. Um, so I don't know. This it didn't seem like much of a surprise. Otherwise, they wouldn't have broke the story with a whistleblower in the first place. Like, of course, it was a secret. So, um, anyways. Yeah. It I is do, in the news it, again, and there it is. Yeah, I mean, the trip was covering it because the Wall Street Journal that actually broke the story with the interview from yeah. the investment manager. So, I do th- find it very interesting that the it's not just some rando who's saying... I think this is what's going on. It's the guy in charge who just said, yeah. yeah, we've kept we've kept this quiet specifically so that people don't like break the faith and they, yeah. yeah. I I get your reasonings where you're coming from. Which is a whole lot of faith in us as a people, isn't it? Like we will keep this quiet so that they can stay faithful. I don't know. See, if anything, we should treat it more like a telethon or something where we say, All right, guys, hundred billion isn't enough. Let's yes. Go to the next level. Who's with me? Come on. Who's got the faith? Who's got the faith? I will only give- tune into this if it is hosted by Elder Uchtdorf. That's all. I just want I was going to go for Kirby Hayborn. Kirby Hayborn or Kenneth Cope. I would love some Kenneth Cope. <laughs> oh, no. Or Brad Wilcox. Uh, all right. I'm, re- I'm going to veto be- all of those. I believe it should be Brad Wilcox and a hologram of Clayton Christensen. No women, I see. How very well, um <laughs> Well of course not. You can't you can't trust women with money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just so funny. Clearly That's why funny. also the article did say it threw in a little dig in there. It was pretty subtle about how there was only like one in seven women within the uh the Ensign Peak firm. I was like, ooh, that's a bit of a dig. 
in Not classic in classic trip parenting. fashion, they just had to throw that in there too, even though it has nothing to do with the subject at hand. They're like, well, you know. Just to show you how unbalanced things are, here we go. Yeah, um, something like that. Well, am I getting a cue for my international news? You get a scene for me, Jeff? And now with international news, we cut to our roving reporter, Josie Cleave. Yes. All right. So the School of Juvenile Detention Center in Berlin is now called the, okay, my German's not very good, guys, the Helmuth Hubner School. That is so bad. Okay. Someone else tell me how to pronounce that. Um, But this is named after the youngest condemned and, sorry to say, beheaded resistance fighter in 1942. He was 17 years old and a member of the church, and that's why it is part of our news this week. So, um, that's I like f- that this is a press release for us. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? And apparently, this is the second school to get named after a Mormon in Germany. So, you know, we're getting some renown that's there. Actually, that's actually kind of cool. I didn't realize we even had one. Uh, yeah, the one is the one of the um, uh, oh, what's his name? One of the pilots who would fly and do like the raising drops. Nope. Oh, nope. He would uh, deliver like the food and stuff over to. Is it uh, the one from Meet the Mormons? Oh gosh, I don't know. It's in the press release. Read the press release, Jeff. All right, we're moving it's on. It's in You're German. throwing off my groove. Okay, I'm. I'm. So there was an intruder at the Sao Paulo, Brazil MTC. So last Wednesday, this was yeah. pretty intense. Last Wednesday, a um, morning, a man came into the center armed with a knife. Security detained him at the reception until the police arrived. At which point, the intruder then tried to attack the police, and he was shot and killed by the police. Um, so I think that they're either don't know or haven't really released you know why exactly he ran into the mtc what the intentions were there um but um the situation has since been handled kind of sadly nuts though man it is it's kind of not just a freaky intruder but the fact they actually gunned him down in the end too i mean that's that's just it's a bit understandable but that's crazy that's yeah I mean, how are those missionaries feeling? How are the mothers of those missionaries feeling? Well, so they, I think they did reach to out her. to all of the families and let them know what had happened and, um, you know, that the situation had been taken care of. But yeah, that'd shake up your week big time. Yeah, it's like, go to Brazil, they said. It'll be the time of your life, they said. Yeah. Well, it will be the time of their life. It just also happens to sometimes be a low point in I guess, I guess life. Well, or that or they've peaked. I mean, you're never going to have anything that crazy again on your mission. You might have some getting some brawls, maybe have someone pull a knife on you in the streets, but come on, that's nothing compared to the MTC intruder. They'll say I was there, man. But he was also just pulling a knife, so I'm not really sure how a knife in the street versus a knife at the reception desk is. Well, you know, the knife in the street is like it happens to everyone. I had knives pulled on me as a missionary. What? It's like whatever. Yeah, that's way worse. Yeah, it's you a don't little have bit a scary. reception desk to protect you. No, we did have official fighting rules, though. Did they you? were codified. We did. The rule what does was that mean? don't pick a, the basically saying like our mission president established actual like regulations for retaliation. If uh, a lot of Spanish youth are punks, is the best just not punks in the awesome. They listen to the Dead Kennedys sense. I don't in think the, this is 
exclusive just, to Spaniards. Just, no, it's not. It's not. But um, like like violently hostile towards missionaries a lot of the time. They'd antagonize you a lot, and mm. so uh, uh, the rule was, you know, don't go like you know, obviously don't look for trouble. And even if someone's coming at you, don't start something. Don't start attacking somebody or punch somebody because they're in your face. At the same time, the official edict, if I recall, uh, was, but if someone attacks you, quote, put them in the hospital, elder. That oh, is what we were... T- my word. What? No, guys. We were, Your we best were basically tactic said, in self-defense is always to scream in their face and run away. I mean, you run away if you can, always but the idea was if someone, if someone comes at you and they're hitting you, our mission president was like, if that's if the situation calls for it, he's like, take him down. Nah, like, guys, I don't care. Dodge a take punch and run. Don't be the hero here. We're moving on. This is depressing. One time my companion threw a oh, pipe dear. at somebody. It it threw a pipe? Well, they came at us with the pipe, so he grabbed the pipe and then hit the guy with it, and we ran this off. This is slightly more controversial than us hoarding $1 my billion, area $100 was, billion. Well, dollars. My last area was a delightful uh, gypsy ghetto. We had a lot of fun in there. It was good times. I know there's a lot of stereotypes <laughs> about the Roma and stuff in Europe, but this was it was an exciting area to be in for my last area. I was like, it, it was never a dull moment. We didn't even go there at night. Like, we weren't supposed to. It was fun. Oh, dear. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your international... That's okay. Um, so, everything else seems to pale by comparison. No, Nonsense. So the Saints in Adelaide, Australia, uh, have spent Australia Day, which is a recent public holiday, helping clear some debris um, from properties affected by the fires. Good for you doing good things. And then... Um, there was a video that was recently released documenting a visit of the a Muslim leader, Dr. Alisa. Um, he came to Utah like at the end of last year, but I'm only seeing this video come out now. So he's the secretary oh, yeah. general of the Muslim World League and president of the International Organization of Mus- Muslim Scholars. There we go. Ooh, so he came, saw President Nelson and Elder Bednar, toured Welfare Square, took a rather shaky and unsure um, sip of chocolate milk, and He's had no the Romney. overall experience. He's no Mitt Romney. Yeah, he looked a little bit suspicious about it, which, yeah, that's fair. Um, he also visited BYU, where he got a chat with some students who were looking super pleased to practice their Arabic. Um now, and I believe the, uh, I think we covered this briefly. It's, yeah, the Muslim World League is basically a Saudi front. So it's, it's coming. I mean, we, do, we do outreach and ecumenism and whatever. But yeah, it's, it's essentially an extension to promote Wahhabism, basically. Well, I thought there was, anyway. the, the re- I'll be honest, the main reason why I brought this up is slightly less about the chocolate milk. But there was actually an interesting bit in the video where one of the guys at the welfare center said that the church has built three mobile bakeries that roam around Syria and follow the refugees like wherever they go and like just provide yeah it's not a big story exactly that's exactly what I thought I was like why is this buried into like some obscure video about this one guy who came and visited last November I was like why aren't we promoting this this is exactly what we should be doing more of so there you go I would like to hear a lot more about our mobile break bakeries that are just like floating around in areas that are needed I love this idea this is awesome. better That's than awesome. canned beef stew, chocolate milk. Anyway, That's also probably true. We could, uh, I mean, I know that food storage is important and the t- certain foods are better for the sake of, you know, what's perishable and what's not. But I feel like we could get away from, you know, 1970s American staples just a little <laughs> bit more. No kidding. Couldn't, couldn't we? 
<laughs> Everything's Throw like beef. beef Wellington. Come on, guys. Everything's least. beef stew and stuff. Beef I'm like, guys, can't stew. I get some canned canned green some, beans, some, some chicken korma? Can't I just get some chicken korma in a can? Chicken I'd be korma. fine with that. Uh, no, we must all be eating beef stew. Um, anyways, that is our, oh, wait, you have one last little bit, which is, um, some, no, not that one leaders on the move. So we had, um, elder Holland who was in South America visiting the saints and also some of the missionaries and did a little devotional, um, not in, but to Venezuela because nobody can get visas to enter Venezuela currently. And, um, well, actually I take that back. I don't know if it's like Nobody can get them, but I don't think that our church leaders can currently get them. That's why they are broadcasting over. And then also Sister Bingham was in the Philippines. So there we go. We're we're getting around. We're doing good things. We have mobile bakeries. Wish I knew about that yeah. so much sooner. All right. I want one. No kidding. Okay. Let's pivot back to Provo briefly, everybody. Joy. Um. Some sad stuff went down this week, and BYU says they're on top of this over in Ye Old Provo. Uh, so there was a uh, there was a diversity panel going on on Thursday evening, I think in the Marriott Center. I think might have been somewhere else. So don't quote me on that part. But what happened was the university had a panel about race and immigration. It was part of its Black History Month, of course. Uh, it followed a similar panel with BYU's Black Latino Alliance held earlier that kicked off a slate of events. BYU is trying to do right by this stuff and talk about these issues and embrace diversity. Now, during the event, they used an app called Slido. And it's very funny that Slido is rearing its ugly head because I just put on an event also using Slido. And um, what Slido does is is it lets attendees via hashtags or other means submit questions. Uh, So if there's something like panels like this, if you have a panel and panelists and what have you, uh, you can be sitting there on your phone and follow the hashtag or follow the event, submit questions to it, and they can either show up on your phone so everyone else can see the questions, or you can even project them up on the screen or what have you in case the moderator wants to bring one up and you know take a question from the audience in that sense, but they just take it from Slido, and they're anonymous. So it's a cool app. It's great for situations like that. However, um, during this event, someone... Uh, uh, it's unclear if it was one person or many. It That's seems to be, yeah. Because it's anonymous. Yeah. Right? So I got the impression it could have been many, but you are right. It maybe was just like one dude trolling. So so it's, it, this is a good reminder though, I think for everybody, it could be one person, but I like, because I think as a church, we, you know, we have all this great programming and we show our diversity all over the place and we think we're Latter-day Saints. We love refugees. We love all this stuff. And we forget that there are straight up racists in our faith. Absolutely, 100%. And I mean, the really bad kind. Of course, we had racists in church leadership, you know, in the 50s and 60s, and even into the 70s. Okay, that's fine. But uh, like some of the questions just put up, so like, why do we celebrate black history? Why not Mexican history or white history? Which honestly sounds like something my father would ask. Why do we (laughs) act like, like all black people don't get treated well? There are also white, Mexican, Chinese, and other races not getting treated well. Ugh. Why don't we have any white people on the stage right now in a panel about Black History Month? Ugh. Why do Africans hate the police? If they would obey the law, they wouldn't have this problem. How is it to be black? I don't see color. What's the percentage of African of black people on food stamps? I think and then I think we get one, the idea. It's yeah, so gross. It's, 
it's messed up, man. It it's, is it's very gross. gross. It's depressing. See, I first saw this um, on a Facebook group from one of the women who was on the panel and had posted some of these screenshots and was and said, I th- I thought like quite respectfully about how it was important to um, educate our kids to let them know like when they're coming into say like a university setting. Um, a little bit more historical background to be able to, you know, be able to like appropriately participate in such a panel. But I also think, you know, sure, your app is great, but um, you shouldn't be allowed to do these things anonymously. I kind of feel like, look, you know, take away the app. If you want to ask a question, you got to stand up raise your hand, wait for a mic to be run over to you, and then in front of all of your peers, go ahead, ask them why there is not a white history month. Ugh. Stand anyway. up for it. Now, to BYU's credit, uh, there's only so much they can investigate, like you said, because the app it's a third-party app that's letting mm-hmm. people be anonymous if they so choose, and unless Slido were to somehow agree to reveal the, like, the cell phone number that was used to submit those things, and they could trace them back. But typically, a lot of app companies and Silicon Valley types don't want to open a back door to that kind of thing. Uh, but BYU did issue a statement saying like, this was not cool with us. Like we're, we're looking into what we can look into. And they said, we re- quote, we reaffirm BYU's stance of condemning racism in any form. We are committed to promoting a culture of safety, kindness, respect, and love. White supremacist attitudes are morally wrong and sinful. We condemn them. Church members who promote and or pursue a white culture or white supremacy agenda are not in the harmony with the teachings of the church. And that's basically quoting an earlier statement from the church, if you remember yeah. when some of that went down a yeah. couple of years ago. So I just I'm glad if, they are being on top of it. I'm glad they are, but I also just wonder if to those you know who were involved um like the panelists if that just kind of feels like empty words because once again what can they really investigate and then two um do we need a stronger response from the church in general like to truly condemn this again because as you say it came out a few years ago do we need another one like how do you actually eradicate this from our own culture because it's so against everything else that we believe but also very controversial so i'm not too sure i mean what can you do other than preach it preach awareness of it reiterate the church's stance on it i think is the very important one to remind people like i think there are people who genuinely think no the church you know is kind of kind of backs up this purity stuff and all this sort of thing be like no we, Mm. we don't we don't. We went as far as to disavow an, a, a printing error in the "Come Follow Me" manual that uh, that talked about you know outdated teachings in the Book of Mormon about racial issues. Yeah, uh, I guess I just wonder why we are okay with being more supportive of um, the Syrian refugee situation when it was kind of first happening, and how we could kind of stand up and go no to Islamophobia. But then we're having this issue that lingers still within racism within the, you know, within the U.S. I think we're I think we're learning we have to combat it. I, I, I yeah. would imagine we've just taken for granted for so long that this wouldn't be a thing in our church, or we assume it'll just be swept under the under the rug, or go away. You could blame it on all kinds of stuff. You could blame it on the current political sure. climate in the United States. You know that it's it's a little easier to be that way, but I do think the church is trying to go out of its way. And unfortunately, if if incidents like this occur more often, um. That's terrible, 
The one upside to it, if there is any, is that it sort of cause, requires the church to take action once more and reiterate its position on those issues, which hopefully more people become aware of. The aware biggest of. thing the church can do is, is is make sure that it's the views on this issue and the standards of the church are known and that there's no ambiguity about it. So sure. if they do that, it'll it takes time. You know, things like this take time. It's not just gonna we're not gonna turn on a dime over a couple of years and it won't be a thing anymore. That's fair. Yeah. Um so on the continuing our cheerful chat of other things that are going wrong in the world, there was a Sundance documentary about um, the scouts and our church and one particular child abuse case. And um, you can't view this documentary yet, can you? I don't think you can. No, because it was at Sundance. Oh, when do those get released? It depends on what happens at Sundance. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'm sorry. That was you know, a stupid A lot question. of people show things at Sundance so they get picked up by distributors. Yeah. So it just depends on what happens. Yeah. No, sorry. That was my bad. I need the answer to that. But basically what the story or the, what the documentary is about is, um, again, this one particular case of a boy who was, I believe, repeatedly abused by a scout leader and then I think they're tying in the church's strong support and connection with Boy Scouts and kind of was trying to make this out to be, um, you know, a comparison again to like Spotlight and the Catholic Church. And this one particular leader who um, ultimately was really only jailed for five months and put on parole for 15 years. Um, and in court, though, he had admitted to... Um, abusing 24 boys, which is um, pretty, um, it's pretty serious and pretty devastating. So I'd be curious to actually be able to watch this documentary when it comes out. It is called, is it Nobody Speak? No, I lie. That's the wrong one. You don't know. I'm trying to find it. I think it's Nobody Speak. I'm distracted right now because on last week's episode, you might remember that Jared Gillins talked about some of the delicious chocolate milk at Reed's Dairy in Idaho. Yeah. And the owner of Reed's Dairy tweeted at us and thanked us for the plug yes. and offered to send us some chocolate milk. Oh my goodness. So I'm very, very You're distracted. All right, I apologize well, for the distraction. I'll, I'll carry take- this child abuse story is- as I always seem to do. So, I, Just like my friend Mitt Romney, I just, you know, chocolate milk happens and I can't. Oh dear. I- uh oh here we go it will be i just found sorry that it will be streamed on netflix oh gosh no that's the that's a different one they haven't sold it to netflix yet um come anyways, on netflix. i'm sorry i thought i had this one down but apparently i don't and i only know that this is a documentary and it's trying to draw the connection again to the catholic church which i um am happy to know well not happy but like i'm interested to know of any of the abuse cases that have happened in connection with our church and how the reporting process happens because i actually do think that we need some immediate change on how that is reported to bishops and then what bishops do immediately after with that information so if anything i'm a-okay with this documentary shining a light on that asking some questions um rubbing off a little rust on the way that we kind of approach this topic and hopefully um see some some better results there was like one devastating i think comment in there about how like oh yeah go ahead and let an older man take your boys into the forest nothing bad will ever happen and i was like oh okay 
one way to view scouting, but there we go. Um, so that's a terrible way to view it. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it was really bad. Life so, was simpler when I was a youth, man. It was like, yeah, we're going camping for the weekend, and my advisors are cool, and we're gonna have a good, a good overnight hike. Didn't yeah, I got the impression that it was kind of trying to draw that this was something that was happening, you know, all across the U.S. in all sorts of different scouting um, troops. Uh, we are yet to see any evidence of that, but definitely there are cases where this would have occurred, which is, um, again, quite devastating, and I'm ready for there to be some change. Well, unfortunately, also devastating was this week when Elizabeth Smart... Mm. Uh, told us that about, it was about a year ago, but said that she was uh, sexually assaulted on a plane last summer. Uh, thankfully, nothing in the vein of what she went through, you know, 15 odd years ago uh, when she was abducted, of course. But uh, she says she was flying back home to Utah and a passenger seated next to her was basically touching her inappropriate. She woke up and his hands were on her legs or whatever, which is just creepy as all get out. Like, who, or like they why? were in between her legs. Like, it said they were in between my legs. Super leg. explicitly, was- but like... They were on her. It was clear that it wasn't just like a hand on the knee and being cuddly. Yeah. And she said like the last time someone did that without my say so was when I was kidnapped. So naturally she Mm -hmm. froze and didn't know what to do. Um, She wound up starting a self-defense course because of it. Uh, It's, um, it's great. She's, you know, reminding us about this and what we can do. She told Delta, she doesn't blame Delta, the airline for what happened or anything like that. Uh, But she was able to, of course, say, I want you to know what happened. And of course, you have a record who's sitting in every seat. You know, you have a manifest of the passengers on the plane and they tracked the man down. Um, she doesn't really, she's debating the whole pressing charges thing. I think it's she was more elusive on the question and simply she just said that she'd be following up with the FBI, which um, I don't know. I think in this sort of situation, I. Uh, I don't quite understand why it's up to the victim to press charges or not. I think this is quite different from U.S. law to where I'm used to it more in Australia, where um, the police are the one pressing charges. Like if you report something, it's not really up to you whether or not you want the police to investigate. Like they go ahead after a crime has been reported. So that's always been kind of an interesting difference to me, how – I feel like news organization or news reporters will always sort of ask, you know, oh, this horrible thing has happened. Are you going to press charges? Which kind of vibes to me is a little bit of like, so are you holding a grudge or are you like going to forgive them? Which I just don't want any of those kind of vibes yeah. involved in it. So, by, by the way, this is like a, this is just a, it's terrible this happened. We mm-hmm. shared the story on our Facebook wall and I don't know what is wrong with people. Trolls or some type found this in the comments. I I rarely I moderate our Facebook page, you know, like here and there. You know, we, we just try to say, guys, we welcome all sorts of discussion, but you know, personal attacks and you know, be thoughtful in what you say. Don't just be dumb about stuff. I and mean, we try to be relatively hands off. But I was just deleting like whole threads with this. Really? I never had to do it this much. People were just basically saying like, well, what did, like, what did the tramp expect? Like things, things along those lines, just terrible things. What? I can't believe people would say such things. Um, yeah, it was galling. I mean, you can't see them now because the the post is still there, but a lot of those comments, we, I just straight up deleted them. I was like, what is, like, who do you think you are? Why is this even on our wall? Why are you, is everyone essentially equivocating and just, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, or saying like, I'm tired of hearing from her. Why can't she just, you know, shut up? Why is she trying to get attention again? 
things uh, like this. Because that's the classic thing that predators say, you know, oh, why is she, oh, she's just trying to get attention. Horrible. So uh, those people were banned. Called raising awareness for abusive practices. This is something yeah. that needs to happen. Oh, I mean, that I makes thought about cringe. I thought about leaving them there just as an example to everybody uh-uh. else. But no, I, I think but it's I said, better nope, to take it down. Nope. Deleted them and banned them. So, folks, you're welcome to comment on whatever you want at our Facebook page. We welcome different thoughts, but you start delving into that stuff and you will be gone so fast. And then you will cry forever because you won't have my approval anymore. That's what forever. really counts and matters. So, quick mention here. I know we got to wind down here because Josie has a, has a life. Um, Saints Volume 2, by the time most of you are listening to this, we're going to be right up on it. So we've had eight chapters from the Volume 2 of Saints, which is called No Unhallowed Hand. It will cover the period from 1846 to 1893. If you're not familiar with Saints, it is the church's cool effort at providing a much more in-depth look at the history of the church. So it's not quite at the level of something like Rough Stone Rolling, which was strictly about Joseph Smith, of course, that gets very, very, very detailed. Uh, but it's quite detailed, and I think it's generally good. I enjoyed the first edition. I thought it touched on a lot of stuff, even some headier subject matter, like Joseph Smith and polygamy, for example. Uh, this next iteration coming out uh, apparently will talk about the Mountain Meadows Massacre, for example, which is a pretty big blight on our record as a church. Um We've never fully owned up to this or that, and scholars debate that. I'll be curious to see how they treat that one. Uh, For example, they're also going to talk about the manifesto, which was the first attempt to say, dude, polygamy is over. Stop. Um, There was another manifesto later on when they said, no, we'd like mean it, guys. Like, cut it out. But um, so these and this basically takes you from the exodus from Nauvoo up into Utah statehood, everything that happened in between. Uh, So that'll be a good Good read, and it actually comes out online this Wednesday on the the 12th of February. The whole thing, uh, about eight chapters have been available up to this point, but now the entire thing will be available. Uh, You can get a physical copy from the church's distribution center. You can also order Kindle versions on Amazon on the same date. If you're a Kindle person and that's how you prefer it, that's how you can get it. I like to do it on the church's, and of course, the uh, Gospel Library app also has it on there. And if you go on there, you can download... Uh, the first one I just did it while I was commuting. I streamed it basically. I downloaded entire chapters because you can. There's a download function on the app, so I downloaded it and then just rocked out and listened to the narration. So I'm excited so, to see the next version of it come out. And yeah, that's great. Where it takes us. Yeah. Somehow I totally missed that there was the audio option and read the whole thing. But um, okay, good to know. Oh, thank terrible. you for thank you for flagging that. <laughs> the reading is perfectly good too. Yeah, it's a yeah, little bit it was because it's not as clean as like. Um, it, I would love it if they released Saints as a straight up podcast through traditional podcatchers and podcast feeds. If yeah. you could do it in that format, so it's a but little you still bit have to download clunky. the files. Yeah, you still have to kind of download the file, and you kind of you kind of like go through. You have to kind of back up and then go to the next chapter and re-hit play and all that kind of stuff. But it works okay. Well, you know, we've only just barely updated our Twitter Twitter handle, so like we got a little ways to go. I think ah, on the yes, techie that, stuff. That chew. Um. So, chew. So bad. Sorry. So the first presidency also released a recent letter about pornography, which was just to reiterate to parents that this is their, they are the ones that hold the responsibility about teaching kids and teens about potentially harmful effects of pornography. Um, and, um, I imagine that maybe young men's probably gets this mentioned more often, 
but I feel like we haven't heard about this as much in general conference recently. So it was interesting that we felt the need to send out another letter and also linked to the church's site that has some resources for um, spouses, parents, and individuals to um, address the topic. I also would love to see a few more resources on there that from like some other organizations, but I wonder if just for the sake of not looking like they're um, connected with other nonprofits, I wonder if that's why they don't really use other either videos or um, other like learning resources that are really good about we, teaching. We don't particularly young kids you know what they can ask me anyone can ask me i can send some your way because i think there's a whole lot more discussions that need to be had not just like don't log into Pornhub, but you know we no one is really addressing the topic of sexting or like revenge porn or all the sorts of different image-based sexual abuse things that are going on so um this is what I deal with a lot. So if you are stuck, you can tweet me. I am not at ch. So. And what are you at? You I'm at Josie Gleave. Oh no, I lie. I've got an underscore in there too because I couldn't get mine. I am a Josie underscore Gleave. So it's the worst. I apologize, but it's you know, I think, not I as think bad as for, ch. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to. Uh, I'm just going to take that handle of at Church of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to take it. It's mine. Just take it. Well, apparently no one has it, so I'm just I'm gonna take it. It's mine now. You know what? Apart from my cold dead hand. They're gonna come clawing in like five years and go, Jeff. What's it gonna take? Can you hand over? A year of over? no tithing. A year of no tithing. <laughs> you don't no need tithing, it anyways. But I, but I remain in good standing. Yeah, there we go. Uh, a couple what? quick mentions. Everybody, um, remember we talked about Elder Gong's son a few months ago wrote an article about his experience coming out because Elder Garrett W. Gong's son, uh, Matthew Gong, is gay. And he wrote a thoughtful post about that on Facebook. He appears to have written sort of an edited, modified version of it that's now on Medium, uh, carried at, the, but not just at Medium, sorry, at the Gay Mag, which uses Medium for its publishing, but it's a, it's not just a self-publishing whatever. They're hosting this. So uh, you can reread that. I thought and, it was really good. I thought it touched on a lot of interesting good. things that um, could be good to read that weren't just necessarily about like coming out as queer, but lots about talking about like roles within the church, empathy, and um, yeah. So there, I thought it was a really beautiful read. Yeah. Sorry, continuing uh, on. No, you're good. And if you want to hear some new music, uh, if you follow uh, The Voice, the popular singing competition program on uh, NBC here in the US and various international versions exist. Uh, Madeline Page uh, can contested on that. She competed on that. Uh, did did reasonably well. She's a Latter-day Saint young lady. Anyway, she released a new version of Come Unto Jesus, which the church is like backed basically. So now she's taking the David Archuleta path to success. Good for her. Uh, and also of course <laughs> that works so well the first time. And because it's Valentine's Day this week, our buddy Jared Jones wrote a, on the Latter-day Saint Video Vault column a wonderful uh, 1965 church film called Love is for the Birds. This one Birds was fantastic. Spilled. Not the yeah, film, this. but his like play-by-play of just how like sexist it, was, sexist it was and how much he disliked it. And I was like, I really appreciate this. It was excellent. Yeah, he, it's a good he laugh. He finished... He finished with, may your Valentine's Day have more love than the birds. It won't take 
much. But if you want to, if you want to delve into any of those old uh, church videos, that's a column that he puts out a, a new article every two weeks. So I thought that one was pretty fun because of the holiday. So with that, everybody, I hope you all have a great Valentine's Day. Great Valentine's Day all around the world. And you all celebrate St. Valentine and the Catholicism. Wow. That would be wonderful for each and every one of you. We hope Josie, of course, remains alive and does not contract uh, coronavirus or any virus for that matter. No promises, but I hope I don't. Very good. But thank you for being here, Josie. Of course. Appreciate it. Uh, You can find us at thisweekinmormons.com, the aforementioned Facebook page. And please subscribe to this podcast if you have not done so. And we haven't asked for a while. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes. That would be most excellent if you could do that. That's always a worthwhile thing to help us with our rankings and all that good stuff. So thanks for taking the time to tune in, everybody, and have a terrific remainder of your week. And we'll talk to you again next week. For Josie, I'm Jeff, and this has been This Week in Mormons. Be well, be holy, and be happy.